welcome to the sermon podcast of Orchardville Baptist Church in beautiful Moultrie, Georgia. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen in with us today. It is our hope that you will be encouraged by the Word of God and find growth in your everyday life. For more information about our church or for more digital resources, be sure to check us out on the web at OrchardvilleBaptist.com. And now for today's sermon. p.m. and then Saturday 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at our at the um, mission center here uh, in Moultrie. Uh, the cost is free, uh, but they do ask that you bring your own supplies like paintbrushes, etc. Um, and that will be on September the 24th and 25th at our associational office at the mission center there. They'll be doing a face painting workshop. Uh, so if you're interested in that, uh, you can contact me or our associational office and we'll get you some more information, uh, concerning that. But, uh, if you will, church, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John. John chapter one, as we are walking through the gospel of John. And, uh, today we're going to begin in verse 30. John chapter 1 verse 30, I'd ask if you are willing and able to please stand with your Bibles open in honor and in reverence of God's holy word. John chapter 1 verse 30, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. We're so thankful that, Lord, no matter what anybody ever said about you, Lord, we know the truth that you are the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Even though they put you on a cross, Lord, and you died on that cross and they put your body in the tomb, you came out three days later. And we are so thankful for that. We're so thankful that when you died on that cross, Lord, you didn't die for part of our sin. You died for all of our sin. And we're so thankful. We rejoice in that today, that the tomb is empty, that we have a risen Savior, and we get to celebrate that today. And may we worship you in spirit and truth this morning. I pray, God, your spirit continue to move in this place. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction Lord, in the life of every single one of us that are here and every one of us that are listening. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that's lost, and I pray they are. I pray there's lost people listening. That, Lord, today you'd show many to be saved. Lord, as only you can, may you convict them and show them. And, God, may they surrender all and come to you for salvation today. I pray, God, for every believer, as we talked about in our Sunday school this morning, I pray that we would serve you with fear and trembling, Lord. I pray we'd be consumed with serving you and doing what you have saved us to do, God. You are a mighty God. You saved us for your pleasure to serve you. And God, may that consume our lives, we pray. I ask now, God, that you preach this message, that I would decrease and you increase, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. 
as you're getting seated, church, as we look at this first chapter of John, we talked about the first 18 verses, the prologue of John, as John gives sort of a, a summary of what his gospel is going to be about. He is going to show Jesus Christ as God, the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. And beginning in verse 19, he began to talk about the witness of John the Baptist. And matter of fact, that's a key theme throughout the gospel of John are the different witnesses, the different reasons why we should believe that Jesus is the son of God. And when we looked in verses 19 through 27, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what it meant to really be a witness. And we talked about how we could learn a lot from John the Baptist. Remember, he was very persistent in his witness. People kept asking him questions. He just kept on answering and kept on doing, and he was persistent. And we talked about how he knew his purpose in life. His purpose was to prepare the way for people to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. But he also knew his position. He was a, he was a slave to Jesus Christ. He was not in the position to tell Jesus Christ what he would do. He was in a position to do what he had been called to do, what he was saved. He was a slave uh, to Jesus as we all are. And we talked about how we could learn a, a great deal. Well, really today, I'm going to really preach part two of that message. We're going to look at part two of that message. Last week, we looked at verse 29. And I don't know how much fun y'all had last week, but I had a lot of fun. That's an awesome thing to think about Jesus Christ being the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I just get excited just saying it out loud. But as we took that extra time to look at verse 29, we, we want to sort of jump back into this narrative that we have here, the witness of John. Now, let's see here. Now, he, he's, he is giving us a, a timetable through this first chapter. It is somewhere around 40 or some odd days earlier, Jesus has come to John to be baptized. He has gone off in the wilderness and there he has gone through the, the temptation there of Satan. While he is gone, religious leaders have come to John. They've asked him who he is and what he's been doing and, and what authority does he have to do this. The very next day we saw in verse 29 that, that John sees Jesus coming to him and he points him out. As the, as the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. As we begin following along what happens on that next day, beginning there in verse 30, I believe there, there are four things that we can learn here about John that will help us in our own witness. Four things that will help us in our own witness. In verse 30, I want you to notice he made a big deal about Jesus. He made a big deal about Jesus. And notice what happens in verse 30. The Bible says here in verse 30, This is he of whom I said... After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, as we see what John says after he calls him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he said, here's the one I've been talking about. Here's the one I've been telling you about. He says here, he came, he comes, uh, here comes the man who is before, I'm sorry, after he comes, let me start over. I'm, I'm just excited this morning. Let me slow down because I don't want you to miss this. This is he of whom I said, after me comes. John is the first to show up on the scene. Jesus comes after him. But notice what he says, a man who is preferred before me. That term preferred means he's more important than me. He has a higher position than me. And, and John, now it's the third time it's listed in John chapter one that John makes that statement. John is making a big deal about the fact that Jesus is more important than him. 
Is John important? Yes, he is pointing people to Jesus, but John can't save anybody. Is John's baptism important? Yes, that baptism won't save anybody. But, but Jesus' will, he says, he is preferred before me, for he was before me. As we saw earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus is God, always been God from the very beginning. He created all things. Even though John the Baptist on this earth was six months older than Jesus, Jesus, God, Jesus was before him in all of time. He is Lord. What we see here is John once again making a big deal about Jesus. When he is pointing people to Christ, that's what his life is all about. It's about making a big deal about Jesus. Do we make a big enough deal about Jesus and who he is? Do we make a big enough deal about it? There's been people I've tried to witness to and it didn't seem to get very far with them. And you know what God laid on my heart to do? To just brag about Jesus. And when I get around, I try to tell them about how good Jesus is and what Jesus has done, what Jesus and how he has, how he has saved me and how he has done those different things. But we need to make a big deal about Jesus. And too many of our lives, He's just put off in a corner. He's put off in a corner maybe for one day and just a couple hours that day and maybe a little bit on, on Wednesday or maybe even just for a little devotion time in the morning. But the rest of the day, it's mine. The rest of the day, I'm not going to make a big deal about Jesus. John the Baptist made a big deal about Jesus. This morning in our Sunday school lesson, we were covering there in the book of Philippians and uh, Brother Matthew did a great job. He really did. That's a wonderful passage of Scripture there. And there's a passage there where after talking about how Jesus Christ was the example, he humbled himself and he died for us on that cross at Calvary. And then he talks about how, you know, that, that we need to be working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And then he goes on to say that it is God's good pleasure and that God's going to work. You know what I'm saying? God saved you for a purpose. He had a plan and purpose, and we need to be consumed with it. We need to be doing it with fear and trembling that, God, am I living the life that you've called me to live, that you saved me for? You went to the cross at Calvary. You took my hell. Why did you do that? To save me, to give you glory. So I want to be consumed with doing what God saved me to do. I want to make a big deal about it. And if we're going to be a witness and make a difference in this world, he has to be a big deal in our life. Matter of fact, when we live that way, people start to wonder. In First Peter, uh, when we see the first real government Roman persecution affecting the church, Peter says when they come after you and they ask, why will you put up with all this? Why will you suffer for Christ's sake? He tells them in First Peter 3.15, you sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ. You set him apart in your heart so that when someone asks you for the reason of the hope that's in you, that you might share it with, with meek and, and, and fearfulness and, and, and gentleness and share with them the good news on why you would do that. Because you have a Savior who went to the cross at Calvary for you. He's the Lamb of God. Amen. I said it again just because I like to say it. Okay, if the person is sleeping next to you, shake them. This is important information that we're talking about today. We need to make a big deal about Jesus. John made a big deal about him. But knowing that, we have to walk by faith. And notice what he says in verse 31. The Bible says, I did not know him. That's what John, John says, I did not know him. He did not know Jesus. Now, what does he mean by that? I, I, I'm convinced, and, and, and you can disagree with me, and that's, that's fine. You can be wrong. I, I believe that he is saying here that he did not know him as the Messiah. He did not know him as the Christ, his Savior. I'm, I believe that he knew him as his cousin. He knew him as, a, as someone who never seemed to get in trouble. Knew something different about him, but 
He did not know that he was the Messiah. But notice what John did. But, even though I didn't know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. Even though he did not yet know who the Messiah was, even though he had questions, he still was busy doing what God called him to do. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that exciting? Even though he didn't have all the answers, he still knows what God's called him to do. He didn't know how it's all going to work out. He just knows that God's called him to go baptize and prepare people. Therefore, he's going to do it. And when it comes to serving God, wouldn't it be great if God just gave us all the answers? Wouldn't it be awesome if he just lit up the pathway? He showed us exactly how it's going to work out. How exactly it's going to be paid for. Wouldn't it exactly just who's going to do what? Wouldn't it just be great? But you know what I found? And I read it in the Word of God. And I've learned this more and more. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I'm never going to have all the answers. I'm never going to have all the answers. I'm never going to have it all figured out. I've just simply got to walk by faith. What I do know, that's what I need to do. And God will show me what I need when I need it. Uh, when it comes to serving, there's some people, you know, that they worry about, you know, will I, will I have the words that I need? I just want you to know, you step out by faith and you do what God's called you to do. God will take care of it. Just make sure it's what God's called you to do. Seek His will, His direction. Follow in the little things and He'll show you other things. But it requires living by faith, as I mentioned before, with fear and trembling. I mean, right now, I should be able to point to anyone out here and ask you to stand up and give a testimony, if you're a Christian, on why Jesus Christ saved you and what he's called you to do. And if you don't know that answer, I suggest you spend some time with the Holy God today and find out what it is. Because we're running out of time to do it. We're running out of time. And I love you enough to tell you, but God didn't save you. Just so you could be satisfied with the fact that, that, that your name is on some, some book in, in a church somewhere. Those who are saved are born again. They are saved no longer to live for themselves, but for the one who saved them. And if you're not serving him, there is something vitally wrong with this picture. Amen? There's something vitally wrong if we're born again and we're different, and yet we're not living differently. Somebody is wrong. Either the Bible's wrong or we're wrong. So I know what that is. And here he's walking by faith, trusting God. But then thirdly, I want you to notice that he's teachable. He's teachable. Look at verse 32 and 33. The Bible says in verse 32, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but... He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Here, John records the fact that he sees the the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, come descend from heaven on Jesus Christ. It's almost like a bird that just floats right on down and rests on somebody or something. I mean, when that bird just kind of floats down, they don't squash whatever they're, they're coming down on, do they? They just lightly come down right there. And there's the picture here of the Spirit coming down on him. And notice, it remained upon him. That is very significant, church. This is a, this is a difference than what we see in the Old Testament. 
In the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God coming on a person for a specific purpose or mission. And once the mission is over, the Spirit of God comes off of them. When God called up a judge to go to, did God send his spirit on that judge to give that judge what they would need? And then that spirit would come off of them. Whatever God needed to be done, he always supernaturally empowered someone to do it. But the spirit of God in the Old Testament does not remain on anyone. But here something different is happening. Something happened on that day when John baptized Jesus. He said the spirit remained on him. Folks, that's good news because if you're a child of God here this morning, I've got good news for you. Do you know that the Spirit of God, when you got saved, come to live inside your life and he'll never leave you? Oh, my goodness. That's a big deal. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, in verses 13 and 14, the apostle Paul says in him, talking about Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. What he's saying that when we heard the message, believe the message, the Spirit of God sealed us, okay? When he seals us, and no one can break God's seal. Y'all remember when Jesus was put in the, in the, in the uh, tomb? And, and, and uh, the pilot had that tomb sealed and had guards out there. How'd that work out for him? It didn't work out real good, did it? The stone was rolled away. Again, not for Jesus to get out, but so people could look in there. He didn't need that thing moved. He's he's son of God. That was for us. It was rolled away. That seal did not handle. But you know, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that there'll be 144,000 descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel during this great time of tribulation as the Antichrist is doing everything they can to stomp out anyone who would want to hint around to to loving Jesus Christ and living for Jesus Christ. Uh, He's going to try and stomp out everyone and kill everyone who does. There's going to be 144,000 witnesses who have the seal of God on them and nothing will happen to them. You know why? Because God put his seal on them. And when God puts his seal on something, nobody can break it. That's why Jesus said that we are in his hand and the Father's hand. We are doubly secure in Christ. Here, this Spirit of God living in our life is a guarantee. It's a promise to us that we're going to be in heaven one day with Jesus. He didn't leave it up to us to get there. He saves us, sealed us. You know who the purchased possession is? Us! We're the purchased possession. Jesus paid for us, sent the Holy Spirit to keep us so that one day we could be his in glory. Isn't that awesome? We are sealed, child of God. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of God bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of our life. It gives testimony and witness that we belong to Jesus Christ. That we will be with the Lord one day. Matter of fact, if you want to turn to John 14, John talks about the, the Holy Spirit in John 14, beginning in verse 16. He talks a lot about it. In a few months, we'll get to these chapters. And it'll be a glorious time studying the Holy Spirit and his role in our life. But very quickly, I just want you to notice something in John 14. In John 14, beginning in verse 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room. 
And as he teaches them, he says in verse 16 of chapter 14, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, a comforter, referring to the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The world cannot have the Holy Spirit. The world has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But for believers, we have been sealed and we're going to be sealed forever. I'm so glad the Lord Jesus Christ has taken care of that for us. Oh, my goodness. So let me get back to what I'm saying here in the book of John chapter 1. He says in verse 32... John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remaining upon him. And once again, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water, God who called me to baptize with water, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He told John, there's one coming. And when that one gets there and you baptize him, and you see the Holy Spirit descend on them like a dove. That is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. That is the one who will save. And again, John just had a water baptism, but Jesus Christ changes someone. But I want you to notice here in these verses that John could be taught something. He could learn something. John didn't know everything, but God was able to show him through these things, and he learned. God showed him through the Holy Spirit coming and resting on Jesus at his baptism that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, that he, in fact, was the Lamb of God. That's why he could make that statement. In verse 29, because 40 days earlier, he had seen Jesus. I saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us as believers that when we come to follow Jesus Christ, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke and learn upon me. Learn from me, Jesus says. Once we get saved, we be in the process of sanctification. Remember when he saves his church, he saves us from hell. And then he spends the rest of our life until we go to heaven, getting all that hell out of us. We become more and more like Jesus. He's showing us and teaching us things. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. And that cannot happen if we're not in the word of God, following the word of God, and letting God show us something and teach us. In Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29, all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. God brings things into our life to change us, to get us where we need to be. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were not teachable. They wouldn't listen. The signs were right there in front of them and they wouldn't learn. I don't know about you, but I, the older I get the more I realize I don't know. Because some of y'all testify today. I, I'm telling you, I love to be able to go into a worship service and hear the word of God taught and, and listen to what God has to say. For through that prophet, or that not that prophet, that preacher that he has in that pulpit to preach the word of God to me that day. It is my desire today that I'm not wasting your time. That I'm preaching what the Word of God says so that you might take it into your life and put it into application. That you might be able to take it and share it with someone else. But I love to hear the Word of God preached. I love sitting in a Sunday school class and, and, and we're doing some things different in our class and different folks are teaching. And man, it's been a blessing. 
Today, we covered a passage of Scripture that I believe I've preached about 12 times in 20 years. I love that passage of Scripture. And today, I learned something new with Brother Matthew teaching it. Something I had not thought about before. A simple, clear illustration. And I missed it. I've been studying that for 20 And what I really, if I just listen to people, I can learn some stuff. I mean, I, I love hearing from a Sunday school teacher. I, I've had the privilege these last two years of being in, in several different D groups. I mean, I, I've been in some D groups with, with Jake and Aaron. And, man, I, I, have, I have learned from them, really. And I, I've been with Brett and Bert and, and Matthew, and those guys every week I'd learn something. I, I, I'm in two groups right now, and, and in both groups I've been learning things from each person as they share what God has been doing in their life. I was in a group last year with Brother Donald and Brother Carlton. Man, I learned so much from them. And I even learned what not to do from Brother Steve Bennett. But it's amazing what I found out. If, I, if, I'll, just, if I'll just keep my mouth shut sometimes and listen, sometimes I can learn something that I don't know at all. And again, God wants us to be teachable. Uh, when was the last time God taught you something in your devotion? Even if you're not in a D group, you need to be doing a hear journal because you used to never go to the word of God and not want to hear a word from God. I mean, you want to practice reading, practice something else. You want to hear from God. God wrote that to you. You need to hear. What does he got to say to you? Uh, when, when was the last time you know, that you went to prayer and you didn't say anything. You just listened to the Holy God. Too many times we just run off at the mouth, just talking, 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 and, and then, oh, I've run through my list. Thank you, Lord. And we don't just stop and listen to him. Many times we just need to stop. You know, one of the fruit of the Spirit, or part of the fruit of the Spirit, is gentleness or meekness, depending on your translation. But it carries the idea of being teachable. Somebody walking with God is somebody God can teach. Somebody that's not in the word of God, not seeking to learn from it, they're not walking in the spirit. They're walking in the flesh because they think they got it all figured out. And you say, well, I'm not that arrogant. Are you in the word of God on a regular basis? Are you listening to what God says? Because if not, you are walking in the flesh. You may not think you are, but if you're not listening to God, who you listen to? You listen to yourself, this world. Get in the word, be teachable. But then lastly, I want you to see here in verse 34, he was clear. <laughs> he was crystal clear. Verse 34, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. As people came to John, he was very clear on his testimony. This is the Son of God. I'm convinced if we want to be an effective Witness, we, we do need to, to do these things that we've talked about. Got to make a big deal about Jesus. Uh, make a big deal about it. We need to walk by faith, trust him. That he's going to give us what we need to be that witness. We got to be teachable. We need to be clear. We need to be clear on the fact there's not a bunch of ways to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other um, way to the Father except through me. When it comes to the gospel, we have to be clear. Jesus is the Son of God. We have to be clear that Jesus died on a cross, not for part of our sin, but for all of our sin. Not only did he die for all of our sin, 
but he was placed in a tomb and he came out alive three days later. Not a ghost. He had a bodily resurrection when he came out of that tomb. He is alive and you must repent of your sin and, and, and accept him as your Lord and personal Savior in order to be saved. And understand that this is not easy believism. This is not saying I believe those facts about Jesus. Let me, let me sign the card. Let me get dunked in the baptism. And that's it. You cannot separate the Lordship from Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is called Lord over a hundred more times than Savior in the New Testament. That means he's the boss, ruler, master of your life. And if you're not willing to give your life to him, you didn't get saved. Getting saved is living for the one who died for you. That's what it means to be saved. That's as clear as I can make it. Have you been born again? Have you been saved? If not, today is a great day to be saved. I can't think of a better day than today to get saved. This is, this is an awesome day. It'll change your life. Today, if, has God taught you anything today? Has he taught you anything today? Maybe today you may be here and you're lost and God's shown you through his Holy Spirit that you're lost, that, that things are not right with you and him and you need to be saved. You've never repented of your sin. You, you, you've never asked him to come into your life to be your Lord and personal Savior. And today, that's what you need to do. You need to give your life to Jesus. If that's what you need to do, I'm so glad that you are here today because we're going to have a public invitation today. We sure are. We're going to have an opportunity for you to make that public today. I'm going to be right down there, and Brother uh, um, Aaron's going to be right there. I almost said Brother Matthew, but it's going to be Brother Aaron. He's going to be right there. I'm going to be right there. Why do you need to make it public? Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. We're not going to shortchange this. If you need to make a decision for Christ, you can't be ashamed of it. And I'm here to tell you, if you won't stand up for Jesus in here, you sure won't outside these doors. In here, we're going to encourage you. We're going to celebrate with you. Outside these walls, all hell may break loose on you. And I mean that with all sincerity. But I got good news for you. Our God has overcome the grave. Our God has overcome the grave. And he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. You will have a church family in here and others that will help you get through whatever may come your way. Whatever may come. We're not promised that we won't have difficulties. We're just promised we won't have to go through it alone. Because he will be with us. Today, if you need to be born again, I'm going to ask you to come. If you've got any doubts, any questions, we can get them settled today. God wrote First John so that you might know that you have eternal life. And you can know. It's very simple. And if you've got any questions, we can get them settled today. If you just want someone to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you. If you need to come to this altar maybe today, because God's been working on you trying to show you something, and maybe today the light went off and you need to do it, you want to make a fresh commitment to do it, maybe you need to come to this altar. Whatever God's calling you to do, if he's calling you to join this fellowship, come take one of us by the hand and we'll, we'll, we'll show you what to do next. But whatever God is calling you to do, you do it in this invitation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. God, help us to always make a big deal about you. Help us, Lord, I pray, to, to walk by faith, to trust you in all matters. Help us, Lord, to be teachable. And may we be very clear on the gospel. The only hope for man 
is you. In Jesus' name, amen.